Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And normally I come to you talking about what it is to be wired for danger, meaning what it's like for those of us who run into the scary thing, even when it's a bad decision. But right now, I think today is Sunday, January 8th, 2023, and I am in this really weird energetic spot. And so I wanted to share it because uh, this is to me what it's going to feel like if the lights go out or the system collapses. And uh, I'm sitting here, it's been over 24 hours now, recognizing I am immobilized and I can't continue to feel this way. And I have to make a decision, but I want to capture it because uh, to me, it's sort of the essence of what we're talking about here and what is reality and what is the delusion that we talk to ourselves about, about who we think we are and how we'll actually function out in the world if things change radically. Uh, because my experience has been you can talk all day long. You really don't know what you'll be like until you're in that experience. And so I wanted to capture this because most of you aren't in this, but there's a great potential that we'll all be in this. And so I thought I would just share before I, I got to do something. I can't feel this way because I, my anxiety is really high. So if you're new, uh, my goal is to work with you in terms of how to manage your nervous system before, during, and after the fight. And what just occurred to me was a lot of my anxiety is fear of a fight, but there's nothing to fight. Like my danger uh, barometer is super high right now, but there's nothing to suggest that really anything dangerous is happening. And so when you are primed to scout, to seek, to look for danger on the horizon, you're always in a higher state of alertness. That's one of the things that happens when people come back from war. They can't turn that mechanism off. They've been on high alert for so long. Sort of that same uh, sense of uneasiness when we enter any kind of new situation uh, where we don't know the rules, we're not really sure what's happening until we can kind of relax into, okay, this is this is how it's going to be, and then you sort of make peace with it. But uh, but right now I'm in high alert mode because I'm in a situation where I don't know what's happening or what potential could be to happen. So I'm kind of waiting for things to play out so that if I can relax a little bit. But it, but I, as I said, I, I have to make a decision because I can't deal with this anxiety. You know, it's disturbing to me and it doesn't change anything. Having anxiety about what might happen isn't serving me in this moment in time. But what it's reminding me of is when I did that uh, fake, you know, uh, take on the grid down event this last summer, you know, my plan when I did it for 30 days was to walk away was because I figured out, uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I did uh, on the podcast, you'll see a July 30-day program, and it was sort of a last month of preps, but I decided to do kind of a Blair Witch-style video project in which I was uh, 
pretending uh, I was in a real grid down event. And what was shocking to me was how I got so swept up into it emotionally to the point where I had to stop because I was living with people who were not caught up into it. Uh, and I was behaving a little erratically. But I really got clear while I was doing the simulation that in a group and a grid down event, I would be the problem and I would have to break off from the group and head out on my own. Now, what happened in that simulation with the video was, you know, I ended it with the decision, you know, would I walk away or would I stay? But What's happening, I don't want a spoiler alert, although I think I just did for those of you who haven't watched it yet, but what I'm experiencing right now is sort of a simulation of the same thing. What would it be like if you were completely cut off from everyone and everything you knew uh, and all known rules of culture and society? How would you react to that? And... Uh, Part of what my anxiety is, is I uh, I moved off of the, the previous BLM post. For those of you, uh, if this is your first time, I left a little over a month ago and I'm living out of the truck because uh, I couldn't be cold anymore. I didn't have a place I wanted to stay or could stay. So I thought I would try this. It's something I've always wanted to try. But I, you know, did it for a couple of weeks, went home for Christmas to visit my mom. And now I'm done. So now I'm officially in, okay, Jill, you got to make some decisions about what your life is going to look like, because here we are. This isn't a vacation. This is happening. So there's a reality check coming to me at this point in time. But uh, I was in a place that was uh, considered uh, fairly popular and it felt really, really safe, you know, where people could just come and go and I could see people. I was not parked right next to people, but I had a sense of uh, the rules of society were still in place. People parked a designated distance away. Uh, Everybody was friendly, but uh, it was clean. It didn't have that kind of road, ra- you know, uh, Mad Max uh, apocalyptic feel to it at all. It felt like very organized, traditional society, and the rules were still in play. But uh, somebody got something stolen, parked right next to me. Uh, then I had somebody show up who I didn't want to talk to anymore, and I knew he was going to come back. Uh, And I had this idea that I wanted to try a different spot that was closer to the resources where I am in Yuma. I didn't have to drive the the place I was parked, American Girl uh, Mine, was, you know, about a 40, 45 mile round trip. Uh, And so I wanted to get closer to town. And so I, I headed out a few days ago and I found all my resources. I was really excited because they were all clustered up, but I couldn't find a place to park. I went to three different BLM places and none of them felt right or were places that I wanted to be. And so I was in conflict. Do I go back to where I was or there was one more place I could try? And so I'm in that one more place. I'm not going to tell you exactly where I am because I'm still here. Um, But And I also spent the whole day getting lost. So it was a very disorienting day. It was a frustrating day. It was like seven hours, uh, you know, driving 50 miles. So it took me all day 
you know, I kept getting lost and trying to decide what to do. And I finally got out here and I was so tired of being in the car. I'm like, I don't, I can't drive anywhere else. I'm not driving another 45 minutes out back to the other spot. And so uh, I stayed, this is technically BLM land that I'm on, but I'm also on, uh, uh, it's very, it's right next to an Indian reservation land, which always, you know, can kind of go one way or the other. Uh, and in looking around, you know, there's some abandoned trailers, there's a lot of broken glass, uh, some shell casings, which all, you know, tri- typically indicate party time. You know, people come out on the weekends or at night, have campfires and party. And so the first night, uh, I saw one trailer here, but I wasn't sure if there was anybody in it. So I, you know, just fingers crossed, spent the night. Nothing happened, so I was grateful. That was a Friday night, so I figured, well, if nobody shows up Saturday night, you know, within the next 24 hours, then it's probably not a hot spot location where locals come out. And so far, it's been now, I'm closing in on 48 hours this afternoon. You know, I really, I've only seen one guy out hiking who didn't even give me eye contact, uh, and I haven't seen anybody else, and I haven't seen anybody else drive through. But I still have this low, constant sense of anxiety with things not being helped out because the dog keeps barking and growling. And I can't see what she's barking and growling at. So it just could be noises. It could be birds. I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of more wildlife out here. Uh, It's very interesting. I'm actually near water. Uh, There's animals, water, shade, trees, for firewood. So it's a really kind of interesting spot, but very desolate. And so, uh, but I can't, I just have this ongoing sense of anxiety. And I was thinking it's actually been the first time I've been alone. Everywhere I've camped, there's been other people within yelling distance. And so what occurred to me was, uh, this is, uh, I feel like I'm in this little tiny bubble place where, because I'm, you know, on BLM land, but I'm also on reservation land. Uh, If you know kind of what goes on on the Indian reservations, you would understand, you know, what some of my anxiety is. Uh, It's not the best and the warmest, fuzziest experiences, especially if you're, you know, a woman alone. And so uh, I'm trying to decide if I can stay here. And then if I am going to stay here, I need to stop feeling this way because it's not accomplishing anything. But the thought behind that is, is the perceived sense of danger isn't really any different than anywhere else because statistically, the most dangerous places in the world are the places that are most densely populated. The randomness of somebody actually just showing up out here that wanted to do harm is statistically way less likely than if I was in New York City right now trying to get from point A to point B. So the facts and the statistics are not on my side to to, uh, agree with the fact that I am in any danger whatsoever. And I was in a place where I felt very safe only to have, you know, somebody come and thieve right next 
next to me. Uh, and there was a lot more people. So who knew, right? So we had this false sense of safety when we are within proximity to other people, uh, when we are on private land in our home. But most importantly, and this is what I want to really focus on, is we have this perceived sense of safety when we are still part of cultural norms and rules. And so, you know, one of the things that that is true is if the system collapses, those things are no longer in play. And that was what I really became aware of when I was doing the simulation was, well, if there's no one to call, there's no 911, uh, the thing that keeps us kind of in check is the fact that there may be consequences for our choices or our decisions. So we're less likely to break the law we're not in a crisis state, so we're less likely to feel the need to steal or uh, get what someone else has because we're hungry. Uh, when all that goes away, everybody's uh, safety checks that are uh, keep the rules in place would be gone. And so I was acutely aware of that when I was doing the simulation. But I'm having that same feeling because I am so removed from... Um, not that I'm not a big blue dot, you know, on the phone. So uh, anybody who wants to track me could find me. But, and I'm only a couple miles from civilization, but I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere all by myself. And I'm on high alert that somebody who's scary is going to come walking up. Now, none of that is logical, None of that is being assisted by the dog continuously growling at things I can't see. But, but it just occurred to me that this is more what it would feel like if the system went down. And part of my anxiety as someone who is a wired for danger person is, is I have a heightened alert system to look for danger. It's much more difficult for me for people who are wired for danger who have that scout uh, capacity, meaning your eyes on the horizon, you're always looking around, you've got high, high situational awareness. So there's a, there's a much more uh, alert energy, scanning, waiting, listening, that is, when a, done in the long term, is very anxiety producing because it's an adrenaline state. And so sustained levels of adrenaline, uh, you know, are going to increase your anxiety. And, and I'm like, I can't stay like this. I have nothing to confirm that any of my fears are real. I got to shut this down. But before I shut it down, I just really wanted to have this conversation with you. Plus, I have crappy internet signal out here or Wi-Fi si or cell signal. So I'm also going to see if this uploads. Uh, and if not, you know, I won't be able to do it until I get into town. So... But I wanted to capture this moment before anything changed or anything happened, because this is what I'm talking about when I talk about how we are wired for danger in this moment, that wiring is serving a purpose, but because there's no actual danger, there's nothing that I need to fight, there's nothing I need to engage with that would discharge that energy or that would allow me to complete the alert portion of this cycle, it's just draining me. 
Uh, and that's really important because that is one of the things that happens when people are at war or people live in uh, cities, uh, you know, where there's a lot of violence or refugee camps or uh, any kind of high chronic stress, anxiety filled environment where there is real and or perceived danger. Even if you're a child in the home, you know, you're waiting for that next hit. Uh, you're waiting for that next attack, whether it's physical, verbal, sexual, anything. Your system is on high alert. And that system is built to protect you and to keep you ready to, to engage with danger. But when done in a prolonged manner, it actually weakens you because it's draining to your system. It's like having uh, your the idle on your car running really high because, you know, you want to be able to hit the pedal and take off really fast. You don't want a slow engagement. You want a high acceleration. But that high acceleration comes at a cost, a fast acceleration, I guess I should say. The, the fast acceleration comes at a cost because you can't physically, energetically, chemically sustain that heightened state of awareness in the long run. And that's why, you know, people who do scouting, uh, you have to go in shifts, right? You can't do it all day, every day. Uh, and if you're going to do it with a dog, make sure your dog knows what they're being on the alert for and not just because there's a bird flying by. <laughs> she, she's making it so much worse right now, but she's still a puppy, so she doesn't know. And these are all new environments and experiences for her, too. Uh, but she has the capacity to just relax and go to sleep where I am aware of what the potentials are. Uh, and so when you're not a wired for danger person, you could be oblivious, right? Well, why should I be worried about anything? Uh, this inability to conceive of anything that might happen or in a high state of panic because you know that you're not somebody that can engage if something dangerous happens. Now, I don't, you know, have a lot of faith that I could engage when I was actually driving out here. Uh, I was way down this dirt road and I was lost again uh, and there's nowhere to turn around and there was a car coming at me and it stopped and I thought there was four men getting out of the car initially and I just had this oh shit shit moment right like there's nothing I can do if there's four guys getting out of the car now luckily it was two guys just going fishing and one happily answered my question and so I was relieved to see that I was wrong but you know, I'm on danger alert. So I'm always going to the worst place. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, and I don't think everybody thinks that way. When you think that way, you're assuming that other people are thinking that way. But not everybody thinks that way. A lot of people just are oblivious. They don't have that danger, danger, scouting alert system engaged. Uh, and therefore, you know, they walk into all kinds of situations. Now, the reality is, I haven't had anything in this last almost 48 hours to give me any indication that I'm at any risk. Uh, and there's no more statistical probability of somebody driving out here and doing something, you know, than if I was parked anywhere else. <clears throat> and in reality, I'm uh, a little over three miles from walking for help, as opposed to where I was before I was, you know, 20 miles from the city. So technically, I'm in a safer place in that respect. Uh, but 
I'm just so aware that I'm in a heightened state of arousal because I'm in scout mode where I'm scanning, scanning, listening. Uh, there's been this thumping noise, and it sounded like when I first got here, a car door was slamming, and I finally figured out it was coming from a farm across the canal, so I didn't have to worry about it anymore. But it's, uh, but it's part of how we are wired. We are wired to be on alert, and alert means stimulating chemicals, and long-term stimulation is draining and exhausting, and eventually you crash. It makes you less effective were an actual danger situation uh, be about to occur. Now, for those who are professional, you know, if you're a professional soldier and you do this on a regular basis, if you were listening, you think, well, you know, this isn't interesting, whatever. Uh, but I'm sharing it because a lot of times we are in this frame of mind without an awareness we're in this frame of mind. Or if we have chronic long-term exposure to scouting because it was either happened to us as a child or we've been in war or we've been in high-stress situations over long-term, it might be a state of being that you're just not even recognizing anymore because you've been in this situation for so long. You're, you're no longer aware that you're in scouting mode all the time. And, you know, the superpower is to be able to turn it on and off, to do an assessment, situational awareness, assess uh, how much on alert do I need to be? Uh, have I done the things I need to do to put myself in the best escape scenario, and then the letting go phase. And that's the hard part. That's the part I'm at this place right now. Like I've waited long enough. Nothing's happening. Nobody showed up on Saturday night. I highly doubt, you know, I'm at risk for a Sunday afternoon confrontation. I mean, you never know, but uh, there's just no reason to feel like this anymore. And so uh, I wanted, like I said, I wanted to capture this before I really need to shift myself out of this. And part of, like I said, what we're doing here is we're practicing because I have, and so many of us have talked about what would things be like if the grid went down or society broke down or we moved into a Mad Max uh, scenario or situation. And it's easy to think about. It's easy to pontificate and opine and fictionalize. But in this moment, I feel like by stepping over the riverbed, I, as I've done, because uh, there's only a few, you know, the crossing places are a couple miles apart, uh, back to civilization, uh, I feel that, like, that isolation that would be real if everything just broke down. Uh, and, you know, one of the examples was when I was deciding where to park, because there's actual trees and shade here. So next to the water, there's some trees that are tall enough uh, and some alcoves, you know, that you could actually kind of tuck yourself back underneath the trees. And there's flat open spaces. And then there's some intermediate brush spaces. But it's, it's so funny because intellectually I thought, well, I probably should just tuck myself under the trees, right, so people can't see me. But I wasn't able to do that because for me, and this is always individual, I want to be able to see anybody coming towards me as opposed to uh, being hidden. And I can, you know, 
hope that nobody uh, is coming in. But if you're hidden in the trees, if you're hidden in brush, you also can't see anybody coming towards you. I just thought it was really interesting because when I was trying to, I have my pick, I can go anywhere I want. Um, I couldn't make peace with trying to hide in the bushes. I thought, you know, uh, I want to be out in the open and I'm positioned, you know, I can drive out real quickly, but uh, I want to be able to see, I want to see who's coming at me so I know uh, I can respond versus hiding. Uh, I, and I don't say that's the right thing. I think that's a personality thing. Uh, and so it's something that I've noticed about myself. But in this position, it occurred to me if this was a real scenario, uh, this is how I would set it up for re- for better or for worse until I got comfortable with the layout. And then I might find a better place to kind of tuck myself back up against something. Uh, but it's been really interesting because it feels very much isolated in a way that uh, if the system went down, we would be isolated. And that, oh, as I say that, someone's finally driving up. This is the first time I've seen a human on a vehicle. I think it's like a four-wheeler kind of vehicle. Uh, and it's sort of built for that. There's all kinds of roads. You know, people bring their quads and uh, all their, I don't know what those four-wheel cars are called, uh, you know, that they put on the sand dunes. But uh, but anyways, funny, I should be talking to you about how I haven't seen anybody. And here, somebody just drove up. So it's an interesting uh, moment I wanted to capture for you because this is the most real. I'm trying to see where he went. Oh, he's going up the hill. See, they're just here to have fun. Uh, it's so steep. I don't even think I could walk up some of these roads. They're, most of the roads are going up to the uh, to the power line trans, uh, braces, but they're so steep. I don't even think I could walk up them, but he's driving up them. So I wanted to capture it because it really is so much closer to what it would feel like uh, if the system broke down. And I have this uh gnawing to to drive into town just to make sure it's still normal again Uh, i guess seeing that that guy is here tells me it's normal because he wouldn't be out here playing if it wasn't but uh oh he's going up a really steep place right now (laughs) so uh it's part of how we're wired when you are wired to be on high alert uh, that kind of com- that could have come about because, like I said, a childhood trauma really required that of you, or you know it's genetic and your just family is wired that way. Uh, but it's definitely a different way of being wired, and the danger to being wired this way is the inability to turn it off. It's easy to turn on, it's difficult to turn off, and I think for many of us we don't recognize that it is turned on when it's in a mild form or it's in a long-term form. Uh, It's different when it's obvious. You know, if you're someplace that's super scary, you're on a war zone and you're uh, picking your way through IEDs, you know, then you know that you're supposed to be on high alert. But in these kind of more minor uh, endeavors, uh, there's a natural turning on of this response, whether you may or may not be aware of it. And it's 
when it is becomes chronic is when it starts to really do damage to your system, but it's also unsustainable and it's fatiguing and it's, uh, wears your body out. It drains your chemicals. It drains your energy. Uh, and then you have a crash because when you're in a heightened state of awareness, when you're scouting and then you stop, it's like the adrenaline drops off and you crash. Uh, and that's one of the things that we don't talk about with the Wired for Danger. There's this assumption that, you know, you come home from war and everything's normal. And, you know, when you're a frontline uh, worker, a first responder, you know, you've been on shift for 12, 14, 24 hours. You don't just come home and flip a switch and just act normal, but everybody else is in normal mode. Everybody else wants you to just be normal because your day is over. You've left the job. But the job, when it's a scout job, when you're a, a, in response mode for a chunk of time, is very, very different than the kind of job where you're bored or you're uh, not you know, in this heightened state of awareness, uh, because there's this huge crash that comes after it. Uh, I know for me, it was very difficult to maintain personal relationships because you just, uh, it's just very difficult to make that transition. You know, you, you, you've been in an adrenaline state or you've been in a high intensity state uh, and you come home and, you know, everybody wants to just be normal or they want you to just shift gears and you can't do it and then everybody's mad at you and so you withdraw and it or you fake it and just there's all kinds of negative outcomes around this uh, so consciously moving through all these stages is very important uh, but it takes a pretty good skill set to switch it on and off because uh, most of us who are built like this aren't really paying attention to it uh, and especially when your life is in a long-term routine. And now that my routine has been disrupted uh, and all my comfort zones have been eliminated and I'm in this heightened state of awareness that I haven't been in for a while because I've had kind of false senses of security, uh, now I'm like engaged in my scouting mode. Uh, I'm getting tired of it. And so I'm like, I, I need to switch out. But I wanted to capture this before I switched out. So deep breath. Uh, I just wanted to share that. We'll see if this gets uploaded. I'm not looking for advice, so please do not put in the comments things that I should do. Uh, I know what I need to do to shift gears out of this, but I wanted to capture the feeling, not as an intellectual exercise, but because so many of us, right, think we are so smart and we have our, you know what, so together. Uh, and I always love these moments where I get my own script flipped on me. Like I could talk about this all day long, but now I'm aware, like I'm really nervous. And if you are uh, projecting the image that you're, you know, all tough and all powerful, uh, you never talk about this stuff. But I think this is the stuff that's interesting because I'm having my own uh, practices or my own beliefs questioned and challenged by my own experiences. And that's what I like because now I get to move through my own discomfort. I get to strengthen. I get to become stronger. And that was sort of my aha was that, you know, I've been real fast and loose because nobody's, uh, seems to be trying to steal my stuff and because I have everything in the back of the truck and I haven't had any problems. I lost one thing, but it might have been uh, I think it was my just leaving it on the ground. <laughs> I 
that's a whole separate issue, losing stuff. But uh, but I haven't felt threatened. I haven't felt like anybody's trying to steal or anything. Uh, and now I have this whole new, oh, aha thing happening. Like people will steal brazenly in front of other people out in the open. So what will they do under cover of night? Like, well, now I am all by myself, like I always say I want to be, but there's no safety systems. There's no one to call. No one can hear me if I yell. Uh, the guy I stopped and talked to said, don't bother calling 911. Nobody will come out here. So it feels much more like a real moment that we've talked about if the systems go down. And it just occurred to me that this is an excellent opportunity for me to not just talk about what I would do in this kind of situation, but to really engage with it. What am I going to carry with me? What kind of access am I going to have? How am I going to position my stuff? How am I going to position my car? Like, I've just been leaving all my crap outside at night. Well, now I'm packing up in such a way that I can climb over the seat and drive away immediately if I need to. Uh, You know, I have three different ways to drive out, you know, easy, not so easy, really hard. Um, But I feel like this is a moment to practice what I preach and to admit that just because you think you know something, you really don't. Now, I'll be honest, if somebody came at me with like a machete, I probably would just fall down and piss myself because uh, I'm not good at confrontation anymore because it's been so long (laughs) since I've had it. Whereas I think if they went after the dog, I might engage. But if someone came after me, I'm not sure I'm capable of engaging anymore. But in the past I have. So I'm hoping that that will kick in, even though I'm all like decrepit now and know that I'm much more weaker than I used to be. Like I couldn't run away if I wanted to. That's a little concerning. But uh, but those are the things we all have to deal with as we get older. So, so in this moment, I really wanted to share it. Uh, I hope this gets out to you. I hope you're having a good weekend. And uh, I guess we'll get to see what goes on from here. But just because you are wired for danger does not mean that you are perfect in danger. In fact, it's easy when things are happening. What's harder is this pre-danger state of being on alert and not letting that completely drain you so that you can no longer really kind of pay attention in a much less um, energy intensive way. So, uh, all right, with that, my friends, deep breath. (sighs) We'll see if it uploads. And I will see you next time.